Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. I have something for us tonight, and what I want to make sure that we don't do, uh, happy Valentine's by the way, I want to make sure that something we don't do, uh, we're going to find in Acts chapter 28 tonight as we're concluding the book of Acts, I want to make sure that we don't miss the point. And so tonight, the title of our message from Acts 28 is Missing the Point. We might be missing the point. You know, sometimes God sends us down a road to get to the end of the road. And sometimes God sends us down a road to get to the fork in the road. And unfortunately, we don't know which one it is unless and until we go down that road. So we always every day have to be following and obeying God to get down the road to know where it is. Did God, did, did, did God intend for us to go all the way down this road? Or is there some offshoot, ancillary, uh, uh, you know, a peripheral uh, something that God wanted us to see while we're going down the road? You know, and, and so we have to keep our eyes open all the time. And we always have to be ready for a fresh word from God. Like Abraham, one day God said, Abraham, sacrifice your son Isaac. Three days later, God said, Abraham, don't sacrifice your son Isaac. We always have to be be ready for a fresh word from God because not listening or obeying to either one of those could have been catastrophic. So God is God and God's the only one that knows what he wants you to do and see whenever he points you in a direction and sends you somewhere. Sometimes we do get a glimpse of destiny. Sometimes we have a word from God, a word of prophecy or, a, or you know, sometimes we see destiny. We see a destination and we know what God wants for us and, and we see this dream, this desire, this vision. I mean, we get a word from God. I, I have had a vision. Perhaps you've had visions, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden you see something. You don't know how God's going to do it, but you know, he is going to do it. And you have, you, you, you have this end goal in mind, you know, but if we're not watchful, sometimes we can become so focused on what we know God wants for our lives that we miss what God is doing in our life. Well, that's good. I just wrote that fresh today. You know, that's one of my new points. Sometimes if we're not watchful, we can become so focused on what we know God wants for our lives that we miss what God is doing in our lives. You know, God has something for us now and today. And tonight, as we hope to conclude our study in the book of Acts with a discussion of this powerful life principle from Acts 28, uh, we, uh, in order to step into Acts 28, we're going to have to step back into Acts 27. We're going to have to revisit last week for just a moment and pick up something there just to remind us what's happening in the book of Acts once we get to Acts 28. As you may remember, uh, uh, the Spirit of God has told Paul and has arranged for the Apostle Paul to be sent to Rome. And Paul has been on this big ship 276 people on this ship, according to Acts uh, chapter 27. And these 276 people on this ship got caught in this massive storm, what we called last week a Eurocyclone. 
Eurocladon, okay? Uh, this Euro European cyclone that came out, out of the European Mediterranean somewhere and just began to really wreak havoc in the ship so that for the space of about two weeks to 15 days, they didn't even know what they were doing, couldn't control their course. They just had to go wherever the wind was blowing them. And, 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 and this ship began to break up as we concluded last week. It, it, you know, they, they didn't know what else to do. They didn't even know where they were, but they, they, were, they were running up on some shallow ground and they ended up having to cut the anchors and just you know uh, tighten themselves and and make a run for it and run uh, and 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 the ship began to break up people began to jump overboard those that could swim swim uh, swam and those that couldn't swim uh, um, didn't swim and uh, they latched on to boards they latched on to pieces of the ship that had broken off and they made it to shore um, and so, uh, you know, it had been a few days earlier that the Apostle Paul, in the midst of all the storm, when everyone had completely given up, and the Bible says that no one had any hope that it was going to be any better. You ever been at a place where everyone, not only you, but everyone in your world had no hope that it was ever going to get any better? That's where all these 276 people were. And they hadn't eaten a bite in two weeks. Yeah, well, the Apostle Paul in chapter 27, as we're backing up, uh, verse 23 says uh, he, that, 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 that he stood up in the middle of all of them when they were in great despair and they did not know what to do. It says, uh, he, he told them, for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Now the God to whom I belong, you know, aren't you glad that you are on a boat with a Christian? You know, aren't you glad that you're on, you know, aren't you glad that you get on airplanes? You know, people I tell them, you know, get on a plane with me, you're going to be okay. You know, uh, everything's going to be okay. We're not going to have any problems. Uh, th th that's the way he felt there, you know, because God told him, listen, nobody's going to lose their life. This angel of the, of, of the Lord whom I serve, whom I belong to, uh, he stood by me this night saying, do not be afraid. Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. You know, I, I have a plan for your life. I have a destiny for you. I have a goal for you. And indeed, God has granted all those who sail with you. That's not a bad deal, you know. I'd kind of like to be on his boat as well. You know, I don't like boats too much, but if I'm going to get on a boat, I want to be on a boat with an apostle Paul, that God has a destiny and he's willing not only to take him to his destiny, but all those who sail with him are going to be okay as well. And then in verse 25, uh, therefore take heart, the apostle Paul said, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just like he told me that we got to get to Rome. We're going we, we, we to be okay. Nobody's going to die. And, and I've, got to, I've got to get to Rome because I'm going to be brought before the Emperor Nero. Well, good. I have a destiny. I have a destination. God has a plan for my life. Good. Verse 26. However, oh, there's a however. However, we must run aground on a certain island. <laughs> now, listen, God's got a plan for my life, and everything's going to be a coy, but first we got to crash. Okay? Now, you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay, but I want you to know plane's going down. We're going to crash. Now, you're going to be okay. Don't be afraid. God's with you. I'm with you. God's told me. Not, but, you know, however, well, who wants to hear that? 
They're already in the middle of a storm. Now, make no mistake, this messenger of God said to Paul, and Paul believed him, you have got to be brought to Caesar. But he also told the apostle Paul, but don't imagine that your destiny, don't imagine that your final destination is the only thing God has planned for you. Don't start thinking that the big dream God gave you, that the, that the, that the vision that you have, that, your, that, the, that the end, that the hope, that the dream, that the end of this thing is the only thing that God is interested in. Wouldn't it be terrible to reach your God-given goals only to realize that all along the way you kept missing the point? That you're so focused on, on what God has planned for your life that you miss what he's doing in your life. That you're so focused and you're so attentive to that that you're paying no respect to all of the opportunities that currently exist. Wouldn't it be horrible to only live for tomorrow, to only live for the dream, to only live and to only have joy and to only have peace whenever I'm getting what I want, where I'm going, and to never enjoy the journey? Wouldn't that be horrible? I think of the story of Jacob. You know Jacob, the, the, you know, this son of Isaac? He had a destiny. Jacob is going to have, you know, 12 tribes of Israel come out of his loins. He has a destiny. He's a covenant partner with God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I mean covenant partners with God. Jacob has a destiny. And when he's about 78 years old, he walks off and leaves home and leaves his inheritance and walks off to an uncle's house. And there he sees a young lady. Yes, he's 78 years old. And he sees this young lady. I don't want to ruin your theology, but she's probably about 14. He'd be put in jail here in the States for that, wouldn't he? Oh, come on now, get with me on this. This is Bible stuff, okay? No, no, nobody's laughing. Everybody's going, don't want to be here. Don't want to be here. Where can I get out of this? In my opinion, even though it's an allowance by God, it's a distraction. Why would I say that? Well, because we read the continuing story how that, you know, he, he works seven years so that he can marry this girl, Rachel. And on wedding night, father-in-law, Laban, was a little more conniving than Jacob was. He switches girls on him and he gives him the older daughter named Leah. Now, the Bible said Rachel was pretty. Leah wasn't. So he wakes up the next morning and he hadn't got, you know, what he worked seven years for. He's, hmm, he's not happy. But he's told, well, just complete the week of, 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 of your wedding vows and then I'll give you Rachel as well and you just work another seven years for me to pay for her. Well, he, he agrees. And the Bible tells us throughout the rest of that story, if you'll read it in Genesis, that, that Leah 
The older daughter was the unfavored daughter. She was the unfavored wife, disfavored wife. Jacob loved Rachel. He did not love Leah. And many times we can love our distractions and not understand what God has purposed in our lives. If you go with me to Israel here in a couple of months, 50 of you are going with me, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little more about the story. And when we pass through the, 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 the Pal- in, into the Palestinian territories from Jerusalem going south, we'll uh, headed toward Bethlehem. When we go through the, the checkpoint there, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I will show you where Rachel is buried. That young girl that he loved all by herself. Why? Because Jacob is in a grave about 20 miles from there with guess who? Leah. His God-intended wife. How do we know it's a God-intended wife? Because God had a plan. The plan of God was that Jesus Christ would come through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And guess which one of those young ladies, Rachel or Leah, is the mother of Judah? Leah. Leah, the disfavored, the one who felt as though that she was not accepted and not loved all of her life. And Jacob, Jacob reached his destiny. He achieved his God-given goals and vision of raising up 12 tribes of Israel. He he reached his his God-given mandate, his covenant commitment that Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, came through his loins through Leah. He reached his destiny. He accomplished his God-given goals. But He missed the point. He never enjoyed the journey. What opportunities were missed as we read that story? What opportunities of joy and happiness and and fulfillment that that, that he missed? And he caused Leah to miss as well. And, And how many things did they miss out on? Because instead of, you know, I mean, Embracing his everyday opportunities, God-given opportunities every day. He was in, you know, he accomplished his goal, but he missed the point. You see, God does not first have to seek our permission before he upsets our plans. Oh, this is good stuff. Come on now. God has a plan, but he has a plan for your every day. God does not want us to miss the joy of the journey. God doesn't want us to just go through the storm, kicking and screaming and wondering why, you know, why is this such a distraction? Why is this such a disturbance? Why is this, you know, why am I being detoured? Why why, why, why am I having to go through all of this? God wants us to understand he's taken us somewhere and yes, the somewhere he's taken us in our heart, we see it, we embrace it, we know it's going to be better, we know it's going to be wonderful, but we might be missing the now of God. 
Allow me to set the stage for, for, for Acts 28. You know, we're, we're at the end of, 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 of chapter 27 and, and uh, you know, Paul and his companions have just made shipwreck and, and they have no idea where they are. It turns out they're on the island of Malta. Now, uh, Malta is an island uh, that, that was inhabited in that day by, you know, uh, and, and uh, you know, in, in many centuries by a real superstitious people that had been influenced by the many cultures that had previously inhabited and conquered and ruled that island. Uh, it's, it's a very strategic island. It, it, it's uh, situated in, 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 in the uh, um, central uh, southern European Mediterranean, about 50 miles maybe off the coast of uh, 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 Sicily, uh, 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 you know, uh, only 175 miles probably from North Africa. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it had been ruled for centuries by so many people, the Phoenicians, the, uh, 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 the, the, the Carthaginians, the Romans, the Greeks, the Arabs, the Normans, the um, Aragonese, the, the, the Knights of, of St. John ruled it, the French, the British. I mean, the British ruled it all the way up until 1964. And, and uh, you know, and, and then 1974 is, it's 70, 1974 is when it became their own, you know, republic. And they have, you know, uh, uh, I mean, if you go there now, uh, there, there, are, there, are, there are caves and halls uh, dug out. I mean, uh, dating back, you know, to 4,000 B.C. And, 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 and some of the world's largest freestanding structures are there on that island. And, and it's, it's just amazing, uh, uh, you know, the architecture dating back and the, and the ruins, you know, uh, it's, it's just amazing. But uh, the Apostle Paul didn't know where he was. None of them knew where they were. They had been just being thrown around all over the Mediterranean and all over the Aegean. And, 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 and so they end up being shipwrecked and running toward this island. And, and only when they get off the island do they know where they are. But God knew where they were. What seemed like a, you know, uh, such a distraction, such a, you know, why in the world is this storm coming? Because God had a plan. Now, I don't think God ever intends... For us to be hurt at all. But detours and taking a little time out of your life. He who gave his only son on the cross of Calvary for our sin is not bothered by us being a little discomforted now and then to accomplish his plan to save souls and to reach the lost and to carry the gospel into all the world. There is no doubt that the Apostle Paul had an appointment. He had a destiny. He was supposed to be in Rome. He was headed toward Rome. And he could have been complaining all the way, why am I not in Rome? What's going on? Why is this storm happening? You know, I mean, uh, you know, he was bound by the Spirit of God to appear before the emperor and the highest rulers of the Roman Empire. But we cannot be so focused on the future that we miss the point of the present. Where else can you go and get this for only a quarter? I mean, I may, we didn't even ask you for the quarter yet. Think about it now. Think about the strong implications of life. God has a plan for you on planet Earth. You know, you're still breathing. It's because of God. He's got a plan for you. You have not reached your greatest day, your greatest impact in life yet. He has a plan for you. But we're not just waiting on, on, on our destination. We should be 
enjoying and embracing our journey. You know, we read in Acts 27, verse 26, that the angel of God told Paul that you have an appointment with the emperor, but first you must run aground on a certain island. There's a certain place that I'm going to put you. And I know the ship won't sail there. You're not on one of my ships. You're on one of the government ships. And the government ship won't sail where I tell it to sail. So it's going to sail where I make it sail. Come on now. God's bigger than government ships. God's bigger than commercial ships. God's bigger. And just because someone or some government or some company or some entity is not going to do what God wants, don't think for a moment that God can't have his way and his will. Even if you work for that company, even if you're in that place, nonetheless, God can make things happen that take you on a journey of his purpose to bring you to a people that he has planned to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may never know all the things that God orchestrates, but he works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We'll continue our study by looking at Acts 28 to see if we can imagine why God allowed this storm to drive them to the island of Malta. Listen now, Paul did not want to fall short of his final destination, but neither did he want to miss the point of the problem he was having getting there. If you know where God's taking you and you're having trouble getting there, just don't miss the point of the problem that you're having getting where God says he wants you to go. Don't miss the point of the problem. Okay? God is going to get something out of everything. Even if the devil means it for harm, God will turn it for good. And the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. And when the enemy came in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifted up a standard against him. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You won't find anything where God says, that one got me. Acts chapter 28. We'll see if we can conclude the book of Acts tonight with, with these passages. Uh, verse 1. Now, when they had escaped, when they, when, when they got off the ship and they got to shore, when they had escaped this storm, they found out that the island was called Malta. That's the first time they knew where they were, but God knew where they were. He knew where he was driving them. He knew where he was sending them. He knew what it took to get Paul there. He knew that this ship was trying to hug the coast and trying to, trying to, they, were, they were trying to get a short route over, but God has him all the way out here now <laughs> because of something that, you know, people could imagine was bad. And it was bad for a lot, but it was, and it cost that shipping company all their money in their ship. Well, you know, God's not a bit intimidated by costing some company a lot of money not to get people saved. Not to get his will done, his will accomplished. Verse 2, and the natives showed us no, or, or excuse me, I'm, I'm quoting from the King James. No little kindness. Uh, I, can, I can remember faster than I can read. So this is the new King James. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. 
For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. Well, there are a lot of judgmental and critical people. That's probably why God wanted Paul to go there so that he could get these people saved and they get out of that judgmental, critical, superstitious attitude. Well, verse 5. But Paul shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, when they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead, <laughs> I love that. Uh, a lot of times people are expecting you to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time, sometimes it takes a long time, and saw no harm come to him, that can be amazing sometimes, they charged, they, excuse me, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. Superstitious, wishy-washy people here. They change with the wind. When things are good, you're good. When things are bad, everything's bad. He's a God. He's a murderer. He's a God. Let's get these people saved. Okay, Acts 28, verse 7, next verse. In the region, there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island. Now, this is one of the ruling class, one of the leading citizens of the island. Uh, and, and there was an estate. And, uh, uh, and so uh, this citizen's name was Publius. I am so glad my parents didn't name me Publius. If it did, you would never tell people who your pastor was. I would not be called Pastor Publius. <laughs> this guy, bless his heart. And it happened that his father, the father of Publius. Oh, oh, by, by the way, let me finish that. Uh, verse 7. His, his name was Publius. He, he was a leading citizen of the island. Uh, he received us. And entertained us courteously for three days. That means he's taking these shipwrecked people off. He must be a fairly wealthy kind of guy. 276 of them. And he feeds them and he entertains them and he treats them courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay slick, slick, lay sick of a fever and dysentery. That's better than what the King James said he has. And... <laughs> Paul went into him and prayed. And Paul laid his hands on this man's father, this important citizen, leading citizen's father, and healed him. The man was healed. So when this was done, verse 9 says, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. My goodness. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, which wasn't for another three months, when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Paul stayed there for another three months. Now, this man, Publius, was evidently a good man, evidently a kind man, evidently a wealthy man. The kind of man that God is looking for. 
When God wants something done for a nation, for a city, for a people, when God wants something done in a great big way, he is to find somebody that's got something to do it. You know, he has to find somebody that has something or somebody that he can give something to so that they can do it. Reckon how many, reckon who, reckon which one of these people on this island may have been praying and crying out. Reckon which one of these people God wanted to reach and touch and save and use them to save a generation. You know, there is no telling. It's like imagining which one of, the, of, of, of these poor women who had been cheated and mistreated in Jericho, which one of those women was praying and, and had been done wrong and been cheated and been robbed? Which one of these ladies was praying on the day that Jesus was walking toward Jerusalem to be crucified and he stopped and talked to a young rich ruler on a road just outside of Jericho and said to him, you want to come and follow me? then I want you to go and take everything you got and I want you to give it to the poor. You know, it wasn't about that man. Jesus loved that rich man and Jesus wanted that rich man to be saved, but yet Jesus was looking for somebody that could be a blessing to people that were crying out to a holy God. It was about the poor people. It was about somebody's need. Somebody had touched God and God wanted to make sure their needs got met. Which one of them was there? Was, was their parent, their friend, their, their, their child, perhaps in, 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 in some judgment, some court, some debtor's prison because they couldn't pay their bills, they couldn't pay their tax bills, and they needed help, and they were crying out. It wasn't about Zacchaeus. God loved him. Jesus wanted to save him, but he was trying to get him to give his money, distribute his money out, take what you have, and be a blessing with what you have because somebody needs it. And that young rich ruler said no. No. You know what Jesus did? Follow him. He walked straight on down the road. He crossed over the Jordan River. He walked right in toward the city of Jericho in that main little drag. I'll show you about it. And I'll show you a sycamore fig tree that is representative, huge, big, way big around. And they say that it's 2,000 years old, but don't believe that. It's not. But they'll tell you that when we get there. I'll tell you different. But it is old. It's not 2,000 years old. It was not the one that Zacchaeus climbed up in. But that's what Jesus was looking for. Jesus was looking for another rich man. Jesus Jesus was looking for somebody else that's got some money. And so what did he do? He found Zacchaeus just right down the road from that young rich ruler. And Jesus said, come down, Zacchaeus. Come down here. And I, I know what you got. I know who you are. I know that you're a notorious sinner. I know that you've been stealing and robbing and cheating. And you got a bunch of money. Come down out of that tree. I'm going to your house and we're going to have a talk. And when Jesus got finished talking to him, you know what Zacchaeus did? Zacchaeus sold what he had. He gave half of it to the poor and to anybody he had cheated. He restored it to them many times over. I tell you what, that young, you know, little widow that, 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 that needed something and been crying out to God for a few days or a few years got her needs met that day because Jesus was on a, on, 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 on a journey. He was on a, you know, he had a mission. I'm going to find somebody that's got something and I'm going to change their life. And I'm going to use them to bless these people that have nothing in need. Jesus is still looking for people like that today. And that's what Paul found on the island of Malta. 
he found a man that was kind and wealthy. But this man no doubt needed Jesus. And I'll tell you what, God healed his daddy and healed everybody that came there. And whenever they got ready to leave there, man, they, that, 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 three months later, after Paul having discipled them for three months, listen, there's no doubt that God wanted to reach that, 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 that nation. All it took was a little storm. All it took was a little detour. But it also took a man like Paul. Paul could have spent his time moaning and groaning and complaining about the weather. Paul could have spent his time standing up in that ship, commanding that weather and commanding that storm to go away. You know, there's a time and a place for that. But there's not every time and every place. That's not what we're called to do. Sometimes we are called to embrace the moment and to allow the journey to become our opportunity to reach and meet people that we never would have met had it not been for the storm. That we, and and God, God's not trying to hurt us. God's trying to save a world that's lost and lonely and without and hungry and in need of a Savior that wants to reach their souls for eternity. You know, Paul could have held a prayer meeting, bind the devil for disrupting his important journey to Rome. Come on now. There's a time and a place for that. We believe in prayer and warfare around here. We believe in binding the devil. But we don't believe in getting ahead of God or getting beside him or going in a different direction. Anything we do in his name, we need to make sure that we have a conscious consideration of his will. For our life, Paul could have wasted his opportunity to embrace the present gift of God. He could have spent his days down at the dock trying to catch a ship, every ship that come, because God told me to go to Rome. God told me to go to Rome. God told me to go. Well, listen, God told you, if God points, he'll provide. If he told you to go to Rome, he'll get you there. He could have been so focused on his destiny that he missed his opportunity, and he could have missed the joy for the journey. Paul spent the next three months ministering to the Maltese people, Jews and Gentiles alike, leading them to Christ, teaching them the word, the will, and the way of the gospel. And then in the spring of A.D. 60-61, Paul arrived in Rome in that early spring. He was placed in his own rented house. I wonder who rented that house. I wonder where he got the money to rent a house for two years right beside the palace. I mean, read it. It says he, he lived in his own rented house where he received guests. And he ministered to those in Caesar's household and in the government of Rome and the most important people. The Bible says that he received people over that next two years without any restrictions. And he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And then chapter 28 concludes. It concludes the whole book of Acts in about the year 62. And many, as do I, believe that the Apostle Paul was released from prison about that time. And he continued his apostolic ministry and strengthening the churches and you know, and then was rearrested, most likely in about A.D. 64, 65, taken back to Rome, tried, and in about A.D. 67, according to my calculations, which uh, have, you know, they're, they're, they're just mine. But he was beheaded in Rome. 
as a testimony. He finally reached his destination. But he didn't forget to seize every opportunity along the way. And instead of spending his time complaining about the detours and disruptions and interruptions, he found someone to minister to in every place he came. Don't spend all your life waiting on your destiny before you start enjoying your journey. There's a lot of opportunity every day to live the joy for the journey.